And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And we're here. Welcome, everybody, to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP. Danny Ratliff, CFP. We're so happy you're joining us. Oh, I'm longing for the days of Gerald Ford. Longing for my whip inflation now buttons. I did I did get some vintage win buttons, by the way. Gave one to Mr. Clanton. Mr. Roberts. Probably threw it in the trash going, what the hell is this? Um, but that was a grassroots movement to combat inflation, which I think is better than the current president is doing right now. I think we all got buttons. It would be probably better. Um, this was to encourage Danny because you weren't even, I don't even think Danny's grandparents were born yet. Um, personal savings and disciplined spending habits was how we were going to whip inflation now. So if you just wore that little button, I was little and I wore reminder. the little button. I wore the button. I had no idea what I was wearing, but it was like, I win. I win. <laughs> yep. Inflation was public enemy number one. October 8th, 1974. Well, you know, thinking about inflation, all the things that we're doing to curtail that, mm-hmm. we, we created this problem and now we're, we're trying to figure out a way out of this. To unwind all these issues. And we knew that, look, quantitative easing, you know, lower interest rates for longer, much longer periods of time than we probably needed. The economy was sustainable at one point. And, and now it's only sustainable with this. I think the Fed gets an unfair uh, kind of rat. And I'm not a big fan of, obviously, Mr. Uh, Artie Johnson on his little tricycle with his water pistol, Powell. But... Obviously, Danny, it's all this fiscal spending and all this fiscal stimulus that was absolutely not needed. Or at least if it were needed, it should have been done in a much more direct approach or at least more surgical approach, right? Not this shotgun, send money to everybody. Uh, And then obviously we've had, that was in combination of people who were saving money they, they, they built up their cash coffers. Look at what the personal savings rate was during the mm-hmm. pandemic, right? Um, too, bad it didn't st- too bad it didn't stay there. So people had all this cash in their checking accounts, pent up demand for sitting in their houses all this time, and then fiscal stimulus. I think it was the second fiscal stimulus that was not required that really, in the face of supply chain, created this perfect storm. Well, right, you, you, have, you have counteracting arguments here in the sense that you, you can't have this fiscal policy completely different from monetary policy as well. So I get your point in the sense that it makes it a very difficult for for the, the, the government and congressmen and women to get things done. If you're going to say on one hand, they're going to say, oh, well, everything's OK. We're going to economy strong. We're going to start raising interest rates. We're going to do some quantitative tightening. We're going to unwind some of this. And then on the other end, they're handing out free money because they say that Everybody needs it. Well, in, in some ways, it should work like where it is. If fiscal is the stimulus of the day, then you need to pull back on the monetary stimulus because the fiscal stimulus in the face of 
less supply uh, and great demand is going to create inflation. I don't think what everybody thought about, except we talked about it, was how long was this going to last? How long was this inflation dilemma going to be? And obviously, it's longer than anybody else has anticipated. And what, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, when you look at foodstuffs and wheat, fertilizer, I mean, the, the whole, that whole situation there, even say the war is over, hopefully soon, but we're these going are to have issues with long-lasting impacts. Long-lasting impacts um, to inflation. Now, to Lance's point, which I do agree with, we're going to see a slowdown in economic activity. We've already seen it. We're going to continue to see it. Inflation will ebb. The problem is your plateau is a lot higher. So when I hear Powell talk about this 2% benchmark, they're still they're going down with that ship, Danny. They are going down with that ship, that inflation. So now we'd like to get two, back to the 2%. Yeah, right? they keep bringing it We could never get up. there. No. So why don't you set the bar higher? We're already ready for it. Yeah. It, well, what's your new benchmark rate for inflation? Because it can't be 2%. And that messes up a lot of financial plans, okay? Because what happens is financial planning software goes by what the Fed's mandate is, I think. Okay? Get everybody on the road to higher benchmark rate. Maybe it's three. I don't know. I don't know what it is yet. And we might have to change inflation in our plans next year uh, again, even though we did it a, a year and a half ago. So we're going to have to wait and see how we well, come out of this. The, the issue here is that historically, when we talk about we want at least 2% inflation, we're looking for 2% GDP. We're looking for growth. We're looking for all of these mm -hmm. other metrics to, to measure up to it as well. Mm -hmm. Now, if we talk about 2%, you know, we, we may have that. We may not. But especially if we say that's why I think they're not setting the bar any higher because they do see that there's a slowdown on the horizon. If we're not already seeing one now, that maybe it's not the three or four that we've historically wanted and needed. That those those numbers have changed. I think mm -hmm. that those are just a, you know, they're so far in the rearview mirror that I'm not even sure they know where to where or how to get there. I don't either. I think it's like when you go for your blood test and your numbers are awry, and then the doctor goes, "Well, do the little of this, and then let's check it again." And meanwhile, when you look at uh, how most of America is suffering due to inflation, um, it's a problem. Might kill the patient before. <laughs> Well, and it's, well, it's really easy to be a Monday morning quarterback here. I mean, I don't envy their position one bit. However, um, you know, actions have consequences. And we've seen that these things have gone on for far too long. And now we're, we're having to pay the piper. It's funny. The Fed research that comes out of their banks, like the Atlanta Fed, New York Fed, makes a heck of a lot more sense than the head of the Fed. They talk about this stuff like they know what's going on. And I read their white papers and I go, yeah, but where is the disconnect between a bank creating great information and the Fed actually using it? I, you know, I, it, 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 it puzzles me. It puzzles me because they are producing data that talks about a lot of what we're talking about. And I will use as a resource yet. At the same time, when Powell talks and his and his and his group there, it's like they're not they go through this political prism and they don't look at their own data. Yeah. And that that I guess that part of it really puzzles me more than anything else. Well, I don't think it should puzzle you. I mean, you, you just 
you hit the nail on the head. It's a political prism. It's not exactly what the data suggests. It's what the politicians want and who, you know, we saw this back with Trump when he got after Powell. We're trying to raise rates in 2018. Right. Um, we're right. going to see that once again, especially with midterms coming up. I mean, I, I think there's so many political ties here, especially to the economy. And each president here seems recently has been judging themselves on on just that, you know, the market. Well, and here's the funny part. And we'll talk about this, and it's not really funny, but the current administration always talks about how the stock market's not important, yet the SECURE Act that they're going to look to pass is all about getting more people in the stock market. And the stock market is going to be more important to everybody based on these new changes that are coming, possibly coming, which we'll get into in later shows and in writings. We get back, just talk about where the market is today, um, seeing, seeing a bit of a rebound based on the sell-off yesterday. You're listening to Financial Fitness Friday here on The Real Investment Show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a war being waged on your retirement dollars. And unless you act now, you'll lose the battle with inflation, higher taxes, and a lower standard of living. You can blunt the effects of rising prices with our next workshop on combating inflation in retirement. April 2nd at the Embassy Suites Houston. Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff will help you fortify your life savings, make the most of Social Security, and lower your taxes. Register now for this free workshop at realinvestmentadvice.com. Combating inflation in retirement with Ratliff and Rosso. Real Investment advice.com the real investment show i'm the right in the country song called yields are inverting all over the place and i ain't having no fun what do you think brett might go <laughs> you need to get back in the studio for the <laughs> creative lab here buddy uh I tell you, every time yield curves invert, there's the camp of it doesn't mean anything, and the camp is of the other camp. Uh, yeah, okay. I've got two kids. One's a student. What do they used to call it? Not Beavis and Butthead, but they used to have a magazine called Highlights. Oh yeah. And it was like doofus, and like there were two brothers, and one was always doing the right thing, and the other brother was always like a mess. Doofus, Goofus and Gallant, or whatever it was. Doofus and Gallant. Was it? Yes. Something like that, yes. where, you know, it's like... This no, it's, is, it's Goofus. Is it? Goofus and Gallant. Okay. Highlights, yeah. Don't ask me. I'm digging up this stuff in my head today. So, <laughs> it, the Goofus guy, or the kid, that you can't control, that's the stock market. The Gallant, little boy, is the bond market. Listen to the bond market... Investors tend to be smarter in the bond market. So Lance wrote a really great piece about yield curves because by the time you're in, you'll be in a recession, you won't even know it. You'll, you won't know it for another six to 12 months, whether you're, in, whether you're in one or not. And the yield curve itself is not indicative. It's when it uninverts, that's a very big word for morning with no coffee. That's when the you know what hits the fan. So it's too early to say, but you do have to pay attention to the bond market, Danny, don't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Bond market is historically the smart money. And so we will typically use this as a pretty good indicator. And mm -hmm. just because, you know, we're seeing these inversions and like right now, I just looked up and, you know, five and 30 is inverted again right. ahead of jobs data. Right. Um, the two and 10 inverted yesterday. It's yep. and these are small, quick inversions where they're they're going, they go right back. And that's not necessarily what you're you're referencing. And usually we'll see it. We'll see it sit for a little bit longer mm -hmm. before we see this this larger turn or trend in the overall economic data. But we're seeing this. We're, we're already seeing, you know, um, new home applications are beginning to decline. We're seeing that mortgage refis, obviously, that's a significant decline because with rates higher, it just doesn't make economic well, I mean, sense any longer. Well, I mean, breach 5%, that's a psychological nightmare, I think, yeah. for home buyers with prices. Where it, which going. is so funny because you think 15, 20 years ago, 5% would have been fantastic. But we've been so but, used to these ultra-low interest rates and we've been able to use them to our advantage as well with, you know, not just in, um, you know, homes or even refis, things mm -hmm. like that, but all over from a, an economic standpoint with lending. So well, help maintain the standard of living. Correct. Because people live off payments. And that's, and that's going to change rates. if those rates go up. Right. And they can only go so far. But the point is the market, the bond market is trying to figure out the grind of how slow we're going to get because first quarter GDP, when you look at spending and the direction of it, where it's going, you're going to have a first quarter number that is probably less than 1% for the first quarter. Um, and I think the bond market's trying to assess how slow is slow. And that is going to be something that you must pay attention to. So when I always see pundits sort of poo-poo the um, bond market. Um, I know it's for sort of headline fodder, and it's not really, there's no real data behind it. And there's always these pundits that are saying, it doesn't matter this time, it's different. Well, well you can all think that if you want, but we'll, we'll still it, pay attention to it. Well, I think it, it does provide a lot of information as far as what's actually occurring in the economy. Now, the other aspect, you're seeing a lot of guys out there who are saying, they're not even going to invest in bonds because no, number one, a they're boring. Number two, they think rates are going <laughs> to the moon, um, and, and so it's interesting. And a lot of these times, a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of these these managers, portfolio managers, don't worry about what type of economic activity is actually occurring. No, where we're going, what the trend looks like. They're saying, "Hey, we're all or nothing," mm -hmm. and sometimes these are people that can control it. Right? We we have conversations that. Look, if you're going to invest in a specific area, a mutual fund, an ETF, these guys, they have to stay the course because they have a very specific mandate or investment policy that's going to dictate how they invest. Yep. If they're going to invest in tech, they have to invest in tech. doesn't matter if it's going down or it's not the place to be. They will remain invested there. Absolutely. Same thing for energy or whatever sector or area they may they may focus on. Yeah, that's their mandate, right? Their mandate is we stay fully invested. Correct. We don't care about the macro. We look at the mic. We look at things from the bottom up, and we don't care. Um, it's up to your advisor to make those decisions as to, many times, the product. Here's a product. How does it fit into Danny Ratliff's life? How does it fit into your portfolio? Um, I think a lot of advisors look at past performance. They get seduced by it just like anything else. They don't look inside the portfolio, they are they are racked with recency bias, overconfidence. Listen, advisors are people. Well, they have emotional they have emotional yeah. biases. As a matter of fact, they're magnified 
because as advisors, we think we know more. We're not humble enough. So, you know, I don't know if it's always that either, though. I think sometimes what? it's an easy sell for some some of these guys. Uh, yeah. And, 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 well, and I don't nobody really wants to go there. Right. But this is something that needs to be discussed. And Danny people just need went to be there. aware of. Yeah, yeah, I did. But well, I remember when I started in the industry, mm -hmm. you remember AIM Investments? Yes. So, yes. Get my securities license. I'm on this big team. Um, I get handed a basically a, a basically a magazine said, "Hey, call these people and sell them sell them some of this stuff." What do you sell? I don't know. Just go through the returns and look for one that looks really good. I'm like, wait a second, this doesn't sound right. I even knew as a neophyte in the industry, just coming in, that this was not right. Um, and you know, you look back and at that time, I mean, this was a tech bubble. You were seeing returns like ninety something percent. Yep. I mean, through the roof. Things that you know. You just don't see these this day and age, and, and or if you do, it really you know it's pretty eye opening. To say whoa, hold well, on. Well, that now. was say Kathy Woods in the Ark Investments, correct? Right, and and there's nothing wrong. Kathy Woods, she had Woods. She has a philosophy. It's up to your advisor to make sure that they're understanding how that investment works and possibly fits or does not fit within your portfolio. If I own every Ark ETF. I'm not diversified. I'm taking the same level of high octane risk. And that works in momentum markets, but markets change. And I don't know if we as advisors understand market cycle styles change. And for no fairness, the Fed has promoted this growth momentum kind of situation, lack of fundamentals, who cares, Reddit traders and market mavens for a while. I don't know, Danny, maybe we're moving away from that. But you know what? I still think it's too early to say if you're moving away from that. You've got to be humble enough and aware enough to say, hey, maybe I'm wrong and I need to change my mind. One of the most important things for an advisor to have is an open mind, all sides of the argument, be open to change. And I just find a lot of advisors are set in their ways and they, this is the way I've done it. That's how I'm going to do it. Well, that, that's and interesting. Have, I had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday. Yeah. And he said, hey, you know, I think we think very similarly here. And, you know, but what if we're wrong? I said, well, if we're wrong, number one, it's not going to be all of your portfolio. We're not mm -hmm. all or nothing one way or the other. And number two, if we're wrong, we're going to own up to it. And, you know, you're going to be wrong in these markets, especially if you're going to invest in different areas. Not everything's right. going to, you know, go up in unison. There's going to be times that you're going to have things that are down. I wish we could only pick everything that went up, Right. But well, listen, in all fairness, like even to Lance, I don't want to make his head any bigger than oh, it is. No, don't do it. Don't go there. But he has been spot on on our meetings about stocks are overdone, bonds aren't. Like yesterday was a microcosm of Lance being correct, right? Yeah. The toughest part is to trade that and know when that shifts because it happens so quickly. So you've got to hedge your bets properly to sort of play both sides of the fence and maybe tilt one over the other because it's impossible sometimes to capture the trend overall. Yeah. But he's been very correct on the sentiment, even if it's down to the day, I've noticed that. And he says it. Listen, if we're wrong, we're open enough to make a change. If we're right, we'll move out. We'll come back to it if necessary. Right, right. And if we're right, we're going to add slowly more to that area that we are correct. Um, 
That's and, the best your money manager is going to do. Correct. And or take profits along the way. Well, not yes. Not only take profits, but if you are wrong, we're going to minimize those losses. Correct. We're going to also look at things from a fundamental perspective. So uh, I know of so many investments we've made that didn't work, Danny, mm-hmm. up front. But guess what? Lance would say, you know what? Uh, and the team, Mike and Nick and all of us together, were going, listen, there's no reason why this got beat up so much as it is. We're actually going to add more to this position because this is short-term noise as opposed to this investment fundamentally, technically is broken. Last year, we took quite a bit of profits in tech. And I'll tell you, that does feel painful, right? When you see something that's working and you take profits. But how smart is that? And I would be telling clients and even friends of mine, I would say, listen, from a from a perspective of strength and calm, you are going to take profits from something as opposed to now it's starting to head down and you're going to panic out of it. Why don't you do it from a position of strength where you're pulling money out of that, out of that, out of that area? And it's never an all or none game, right? You just underweight it, take profits in the areas that are overheated, add money to the areas that are getting beat up. Remember when energy was coming up on the fundamental screens, all those energy stocks were coming up? They were popping all over the place fundamentally. And then yeah. we watched them for a technical entry. That's risk management overall. Hey, when we get back, I want to talk to you a little bit about some, some revolutionary change that's happening in retirement that I think you'd be interested in here. Financial Fitness Friday. We'll be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com there's a war being waged on your retirement dollar and unless you act now you'll lose the battle with inflation higher taxes and a lower standard of living you can blunt the effects of rising prices with our next workshop on combating inflation in retirement april 2nd at the embassy suites houston richard rosso and danny ratliff will help you fortify your life savings make the most of social security and lower your taxes register now for this free workshop at realinvestmentadvice.com. Combating inflation in retirement with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Well, happy April Fool's Day, everybody. April Fool's Day is canceled this year because no made-up prank could make the match the unbelievable poopy going on in the world right now. It's the world of the Babylon Bee. We just exist in it. The Babylon Bee is no longer a satire site. It's bad when you don't understand if the Babylon Bee or like the onion is real or not anymore. <laughs> You're like, wait a second, where, where am I? What are we doing? It. It's the world 
we live in. Welcome to Bizarro World. <laughs> so no April Fool's Day. Every day is Fool's Day around here. Lot, listen, lots of big numbers coming out this morning. We've got average hourly earnings month over month from March. I think we're going to really start to see a grind down in some of these, um, these numbers. Uh, labor force participation, uh, S&P Global Manufacturing, PMI. It's going to be really ISM manufacturing, prices paid new orders and new orders. We're going to see whether or not we're correct about where we are from a grind-down perspective for economic numbers and the toll of inflation. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much wind is out of the economic sales for first quarter. So listen, we um, <clears throat> got a lunch to learn coming up. Medicare, avoiding the pitfalls and permanent penalties, uh, Thursday, April 21st, 12 o'clock. This is really... All the acts that are getting passed, we can't seem to get Medicare enrollment all on the same page. It's got to be multiple pages, multiple enrollments, right? So we want to make sure when you should sign up for Medicare. The alphabet soup of Medicare. What is A, B, D, C, right? How the significant passage of time can adversely affect your Medicare premiums. Well, and this is this is so usually we have lunch and learns and webinars. So lunch and learns are typically in office. Yeah, this will be actually a webinar. So wherever yes. you are, webinar. You know, if we're separated by distance, you can get on and uh, it won't be an issue. So post pictures of your lunch. Yeah. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com. Go sign up. But we are having hmm? one of our first, I think our first for the year in-person events tomorrow. Still a couple spots left, I believe. Um, realinvestmentadvice.com. Check us out. want to sit on other people. I-10, Beltway 8, we'd love to have you. This is going to be our more comprehensive battling inflation and retirement and even pre-retirement. What do you do? How do you do it? But we're going to talk about all those big ticket items that people are concerned with, especially if you're near retirement. Um, you know, One, you know, obviously battling inflation. What do we do with that? How yeah. do we do it? How do we look at that from a planning perspective? Also, two, you know, looking at Social Security, Medicare, how do you keep money in your pocket? We're going to talk about so many things um and it's really interactive class so we're going to talk about a lot of that information that you know we get back from you guys either through our youtube channel the real investment show um you know people writing in our clients you know whoever it may be we get a lot of information from you guys so we know what most people are kind of struggling with yeah unless you don't believe taxes are going up <laughs> nah never and if you're retired, you believe you're going to fall into the lowest tax bracket. That's another joke. April Fools. You want to know how to combat taxes in retirement as well. So all the things that are going to battle your retirement, we're going to give you the plan to fight back. The Zelensky of retirement planning, Danny Ratliff. <laughs> Couldn't help yourself, could you? I couldn't. I really, I really couldn't. And I think tomorrow we're not going to let you die of thirst. I think we'll have coffee tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. coffee and some. St I think uh, what Danny did, he called the hotel and he goes, "Listen, we really would like donuts from last month." Because <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to save money. So That's the donuts are going to be a little hard. Well, but I may, I may have good. somebody camping out at Shipley's this afternoon. Yeah. 
It's worth the price of admission. You know, before they, they, they go out to the back and throw the uh-huh. donuts in the dumpster, yeah. Erica's going to be there going, don't do that! <laughs> Give me those! Uh, so that'll be fun. No, but it'll be, listen, <clears throat> this is our, our first in-person event. And this is a class. And you're going to learn a lot. Um, so be there. Embassy Suites, very easy to get to. Right, Danny? What do you always say? You always got to tell the location because you're good at the location. Well, basically, we're I-10, Bellway 8. Pretty easy to get to from just about yeah. anywhere in town. So I don't pretty centrally located. Right. Yeah. Because I make it sound inconvenient. Well, you're going to give it like the specific address, the details. Just go look it up. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com. <laughs> we're close to everything. Listen, you want to combat inflation? Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> now, tomorrow, make sure you got your teeth in for the donuts. Because they're going to be tough. Um, and, and, and talking about Medicare here. <laughs> yeah. And Medicare does not cover dental. So we don't want to make sure. You want to make sure don't you give it all away. Come on. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of retirement, I think over the next 10 to 20 years, Danny, there are going to be some huge changes on how people live in retirement. And we're going to be talking about how people age in place and how they live in retirement. But There's this uh, plan called Opus Newton. No, it's not a new cookie. It's a new type of senior living development for people 62 plus. Now, it's catering to this underserved middle-income market. So when I wrote my book in 2012, I said, there's going to have to be a change in how older Americans live in retirement. It's going to have to be more communal, maybe tinier homes. You're going to have a lot more singles in retirement. Well, This uh, not-for-profit community center is at the campus of the Jewish Community Center in Greater Boston in Newton, Massachusetts. And it's really about trying to make senior living affordable for middle Americans, right? When you look at, we always, and they they talk about Genworth in this article here. This is called uh, 65 plus. Um, Cost of care in assisted living is now... $51,600 a year, $105,800 for a private room in a nursing home. Listen, it's it's not cheap, right? And people live longer today. That doesn't mean that they're healthier, especially when you look at dementia. uh, brain. Hey, did you read that about uh, Bruce Willis? Yeah, what a shame. Dang. And then I read about all his stuff on his, (laughs) you know, how he wasn't handling his lines. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In movies, and he had to have whatever called was the earbug yeah. to give him the lines. Yeah. And then at one time he said, hey, I, he didn't even know what he was doing on set. He goes, what am I doing here? So I just wonder if he had a stroke. But listen, you look at Bruce Willis. He's 67 years old. He's pretty healthy. You know, physically he looks good. Uh, and his, this family came out with a commentary that he's healthy. But mentally, he's not doing very well. Now, obviously, Bruce Willis has the money to take care of himself. Well, what I'm saying to you is there are a lot of people in the same predicament who don't. So they're going to have to be ways to perhaps people to live affordable in retirement. So by 2029, this is out of the University of Chicago study, estimated that the number of middle-income people, 75-plus, will nearly double to 14.4 million. 54% of them will be unable to afford private pay senior living. 60% of them will have some mo- mobility limitations. 20% will have high health care and functional needs. So this Opus Newton is a small community. Um, 
where people live together. They have to volunteer to do certain things for the community, even taking care of other residents, Danny. So it's a really good way for people to share the costs uh, and make these programs uh, available. Um, I, I Again, it's, it, and even this is not really cheap when you look at how much they're asking, but it's one- and two-bedroom apartments, uh, let's see, more than 1,000 people. Preliminary prices for the community share, even though this is supposed to be for middle American uh, purposes, 302000 to 732000 So even the affordable is not, <laughs> it's not really affordable. Yeah, what is affordable anyways these days? My gosh, I don't know. All I know is when you look at, and we use Genworth a lot in our studies, in our writings, uh, even for custodial care at home, for Houston, it's close to $40,000 a year. So if you don't have some way to mitigate that long-term care risk, especially if you're a senior who's alone, that is going to be a problem. That's why I think some form of smaller communal living is in the cards. It is, and it's going to have to be for many people because, unfortunately, we know the data. We know the numbers, and it doesn't look promising for many. Um, now, granted, like Lance always says, it's probably not most of you guys out there right now listening to the show. Most of you guys have really good habits. You've been diligent about saving, putting funds aside. But if it's not you, I guarantee you it's somebody that you know. Absolutely. Or who, you've seen a family member going correct. through this issue that doesn't have the money. And you're, you're one of the caregivers or you're providing financial assistance. And you know to what, that what generally one. happens, though, is that people <clears throat> usually, I mean, by the time you're probably in your 60s, you're dealing with somebody who's actually dealing with this and going through it. And at that point, the cost of care or to attain the insurance for it, mm-hmm. is all that more expensive. And so, you know, what we, we really want to encourage people to do is think about this ahead of time. You know, start to do this. Look at this within your financial plan. This can be the elephant in the room. You know, the numbers out there are astounding as far as how much this costs in retirement and, and what this actually is going to mean for your, you know, your pocketbook, not just for you, but your spouse or your family. You know, a lot of people, the number one thing people say is, what are you going to do? My kids. Your kids don't want that. Don't put that burden on them. No. Um, and start to plan for this ahead of time. We're going to actually talk about this tomorrow we are. at our event. So combating inflation and retirement. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com. We would love to have you guys there. Like I mentioned, a couple spots left. Yeah. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Please go sign up. Uh, love to see you all in person. We'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com there's a war being waged on your retirement dollar and unless you act now you'll lose the battle with inflation higher taxes and a lower standard of living you can blunt the effects of rising prices with our next workshop on combating inflation in retirement april 2nd at the embassy suites houston richard rosso and danny ratliff will help you fortify your life savings make the most of social security and lower your taxes register now for this free work Workshop at realinvestmentadvice.com. Combating inflation in retirement with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. I 
got a really good idea. What's that, What's that? Richard? A communal, older American community for single men called Bitter Ends because we all get dang crabby as we get older. <laughs> bitter Ends. You like it? I like it. Yeah, okay. It's no got, doors on any of the rooms. No doors. No. Everybody's able to walk out into the... Mm-hmm. Right? Walk out into the hall and go, I hate you. I hate you too. What time's breakfast? I don't know. So, bitter ends. Why does it sound like Grandpa Rosso? (laughs) Kind of sounds like uh, Grandpa from The Simpsons a little bit. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Isn't that the same thing? Probably. That's how I envision him. That's actually what Richard said. I had to stop my grandfather from every summer in Brooklyn sitting in the backyard. With a huge pitcher of Chianti with peaches in it. <laughs> and his pastime was throwing rocks at stray cats. And I okay. said, This is what retirement is like mm-hmm. getting drunk and throwing <laughs> rocks <laughs> at stray cats. Oh, man. I'm like, I don't want to live to be this age. How do you get it was that, like uh, 70. How do you get that rock trio in the backyard in the first place? It's Brooklyn. Every backyard is rocks. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Listen, we talk about having a hobby, having something to do in retirement. It's especially important for men. We always talk to clients and say, listen, what are you going to do for a living in retirement? What is going to hold your interests? Because throwing rocks and cats. Now, the Chianti with the peaches, I'm all for that. But the rock thing. Sounds like a good time. What time does it start? 10 a.m. Oh, okay. (laughs) Every day. Every day. (laughs) In the lawn chair. (laughs) Every day. Where's Grandpa? (laughs) You know, in the backyard with the rocks. You had to ask. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Then it's 10.30 and I'd hear him, what time's lunch? <laughs> I'm like, retirement's hell. It's, it's just a mini hell that people, that you get put into. This is not the same anymore, right? People live vibrant lives in retirement. They continue to work longer. You know, right, Danny? We meet with clients that are 70, 80 years old, people that are older, and you wouldn't even know it. They're very active. They're engaged. They're social. And it's nice to see. But you need the money. And one of the ways you keep the money is by making correct decisions, which Social Security, right? Correct. Yeah, Social Security um, goes... Lance, I'm waiting for Lance to queue in on YouTube. Oh, he is. He's going to be there here. anymore. He's throwing rocks at the Social Security Administration. I actually That's did what get Lance him to admit this week that, so, that it will be there in some way, shape, or form fashion which Did is you give him the steps. like people will be like living in his backyard because he doesn't want to think about that well he's also out digging a moat right now to make it bigger <laughs> probably he's probably purchasing a couple more alligators listen social security is not a cure-all by any means um but even in, with people who have done a wonderful job saving if you go through a poor sequence of returns uh or lower returns in markets for a series of years and you're in withdrawal mode, having social security to fill in those holes where maybe one, you don't have to take the money out that year of your variable asset accounts like stocks and bonds, or you're reducing your withdrawal rate. 
because it is, if you take the words, just take Social Security out, it is designed to be an income you can't outlive. People who have, or retirees who have what, Danny? They did the right thing with Social Security, and they have a pension. Man, people look at it and go, okay, I'm bringing X amount of dollars in from pension and Social Security, and that will cover my needs. That'll cover everything I need to do to keep shelter and food on my table. What a good feeling that is. And when we lost pensions, unfortunately, Social Security became the pension. It wasn't designed to be that. So there are times when the Social well, always, the Social Security claiming decision is really a big part of retirement income planning. And you don't go to your friends and you don't go to your neighbors and you don't use any kind of political kind of prism to think about Social Security. Or you don't look at the ad that's going to pop up consistently saying that oh, it's yeah. not going to be there to scare you into doing something that you know you All may the, or may not need. Now, right. it doesn't mean these products are bad, but when they're sold, not planned for, they most certainly are. Because this is where people well, get in trouble. When the trust fund stuff comes out and it's underfunded or whatever it is you get all these bombastic headlines. It's going away and so forth. And then you look at it's from Wells Fargo, <laughs> JP Moore. Why? Because they want to put you in stocks. All right? They want you in the stock market. And I will tell you, that works great when you're in a market tailwind. But what if you retire in a market headwind and returns are going to be lower? Well, it's also if the I'm getting 3% a year on average on yeah. a blended portfolio and I'm taking out four, I don't need to be a rocket scientist to know I'm in trouble. But hold on. So, so that's okay too, though. There are, there are going to be times that you're going to take out more than what you make, right? But We're not every have... year, maybe. But if I have a poor sequence of returns for four, five, six years, look what happened Correct. to people who retired in 2000. Oh, yeah. Right? You completely eroded it. You never got back to even. Right. But for some people, maybe getting back to even was never the goal. Maybe it's just you have X amount to live on. You're not going to leave a big legacy, and that's going to be okay. Yes. And you're going to have enough to, to go down this path. Because I think so many times, and for most people we, we visit with, mm -hmm. the goal is to to not erode the principle that you have. Mm -hmm. It's to you know live off the interest or the growth from it and let it continue to grow over time. And, and so, but I think a lot of times we get so focused on that that you know we forget that, yes, we're going to have bad years from time to time. Absolutely. And, and two, for some people, and probably the majority of people that are out there, they're actually going to erode whatever they have. And, and granted, we looked at numbers, you know, a lot of new numbers came out from Transamerica studies for a center for retirement. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Genworth a bit ago. These guys do a ton of research, ton of studies. And it shows that most Americans don't have enough. They will erode what they have. Well, they were on a spend down. Correct. <clears throat> but you just want to make sure that you your money doesn't you spend down before you go down. Correct. Right. And that's the issue. So if I have a big correction and I'm taking out my normal distribution, as Lance has charts, we have a chart tomorrow, uh, you could be, set, be setting yourself back a decade. Because volatility is not your friend. So what Social Security and guaranteed income products do is it fills that hole. Like during the financial crisis, Danny, right? A lot of clients who had variable asset portfolios and like, oh my gosh. I said, listen, is, there's got to be a way we don't have to take distributions this year. How do we do it? Well, one, we took Social Security the right way. We're good. 
too. I have, an home, I have a home equity line of credit or I have cash value in life insurance. I'm going to use that this year. I said, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to do this for a couple of years. Once the market rebounds, and markets always do, we just don't know when, we'll pay off the loan. We'll, we'll take care of it. And that's what we did. Be, because there are times where you can't or you need to review your portfolio withdrawal rate. What Social Security does, if you take it right, is it allows you to have some breathing room. If I've got a good cash flow coming in on a monthly basis that I can't outlive, maybe I could look at my variable assets. Listen, Danny, you said it right. You're saying it from a very intellectual perspective. But if I'm a new retiree and my account's flat for the year, right? I didn't lose any money, you know, but the mar- you know, markets are down. I'm sort of flat, but I took 4% out. My first year, I think I'm going to panic. Oh, yeah. It, My it first doesn't year, because I'm seeing this erosion, and I'm psychologically not dealing with this very well, right? Well, not to mention, you just switched from being an accumulator to a right. distributor. Right. That's hard enough. I mean, so many people struggle with that. In fact, so much so that we see a lot of people go back to work to some extent, mm. do contract uh, work, mm. part-time work, because they have a very hard time just mentally yes. overcoming that hurdle. Yeah, it is. Uh, I call it going from Tim Allen, Tim, the tool man, Taylor to Wilson. Right. I'm on the other side of the fence. I have to think differently than a family in that show that has three young children and is an earnings machine on his new show. Wilson in his little fisherman's hat. Right. He's got to look at his portfolio, his money differently than Tim the tool man. I'm not wearing that hat in retirement. Even if I am throwing rocks at cats, I am. <laughs> but you are going to wear it tomorrow. <clears throat> oh, I, should, well, yes. I wish I had a hat like that for tomorrow. Well, you got time to go get one. one. Yeah. yeah. Do they have like Academy a opens at like nine. I'm not even sure they sell those at Academy anymore. I don't think anymore. they do anymore. Those fishermen. Fishermen. Cats. I'm going to have to call somebody in New England. No, nah, I'm going to find <clears> you. <throat> go, to, go to Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, I guess I could do that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, that's where my day will be today, trying to find a hat. <laughs> that's where you need some RAA advisor fishing hats. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, good luck with that one. That'd and I know exactly, I would use a caricature lance, and I know exactly which picture I'd use. <laughs> it's under the wash, rinse, repeat <coughs> video. That'd be a capper. That would be. It really would be. So listen, we've got the Lunch and Learn tomorrow if you want to come out and see us. <clears throat> we've got a great class tomorrow. Lots of stuff for you next week on the show. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us here. Financial Fitness Friday. Uh, it's been fun. Hasn't it, Danny? Always. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.